No exciting debuts today on the Guardians of the Future podcast. I feel like there's been so many exciting debuts in the uh, the Cleveland Guardians season this year, but uh, instead you're just getting Willie and I for like the 20th time this year. So you're going to have to live with it and you're going to have to like it. Hopefully uh, you don't mind some veteran presence in your life. We'll talk about all the, all the debuts this week. I'm Justin Latta. That's Willie Hood. This is the Guardians of the Future podcast. Willie, I hope everybody's okay with settling for the the status quo with us, because we haven't had a whole lot of debuts on the podcast this year. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, <laughs> I think you'll be making a debut this week. I'll let you talk about that later, though, huh? Um, yeah. As a I guess. Um, and I'll be joining the same group of guys later this month, too. Uh, been an interesting couple of weeks, I, I will say that, because you get the draft wrap up and then a course the trade deadline out on the heels of it which was a big well we won't talk about that but we're actually <laughs> new blood into the organization with well at the big league level i guess i should say with tyler freeman will benson and alex call and a lot of these guys that have been called up in the last few weeks yeah 13 13 prospects this year have made their debut for cleveland and <clears throat> all of them you know, we're on our rankings at some point this year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a couple guys made it out of spring training. And then uh, just throughout the year, there's been a lot of guys moving up. I really was hoping to, you know, not necessarily trade some of them, but I was really hoping we'd have more to talk about last week on the trading deadline podcast when we did that. But, yeah, that was an interesting uh, interesting dud. So more work to be done over the off season for the Guardians. And they've already started to – I don't know, make, I don't want to say make some roster moves, but they sure have, I guess, tipped their hand or they've already put some stuff into place. So let's, let's start there. So, um, gosh, I'm trying to think what ha- what started last week. Will Benson was the first one to make it to the majors last week, mm-hmm. right? That was, he was the first call up. Yes. So <clears throat> Will Benson gets his call up last week. Uh, a little bit unexpected. I mean, I really didn't know if they were going to find room for him this year, Willie. I thought, you know, he's playing good, and I know they like him as a person, and, and they're certainly pleased with the prospe- uh, the progress he's made and, and how hard of a worker he is and just the character he shows. I didn't necessarily think with, with Quan and Gonzalez and Jones and Straw and, and at the time, Fran Mill and, <clears throat> and Alex Call, I didn't think there was going to be room for him. And... You know, they sent call back down for, for, for Benson, which that made sense. They found room on the 40. All that, you know, worked out. Anthony goes, unfortunately, um, you know, being on the 60-day IL, but a tough year for him. But I don't know. I, I was – out of all the debuts this year, I think Benson and Hunter Gaddis have to be the two biggest surprises, no? Uh, possibly. I don't remember saying we would see Will Benson – in the preseason Gaddis, it may have been a, maybe more probably thinking he'd be a reliever. Um, yeah, I, I am surprised that they moved him as quickly from triple through triple a to the big leagues and then back to triple a. Um, I think it was a, a more the case of Connor Pilkington being down to his last two options and those being preserved rather than it was uh, Gaddis is ready. And I think that showed the other night, although he did look good 
for an inning, an inning or two of, of that start. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people jumped on me for that tweet on Friday night. Um, <clears throat> I said, well, Gaddis looked pretty good early, and then he kind of fell apart. And I, and I tweeted before he got called up on Thursday night, we saw the news. I was at Lake County on Thursday, and I was driving home, and I got a bunch of DMs and a bunch of texts and uh, to make myself sound more popular than I really am. But um, people were like, wow, Hunter Gaddis, well, you know, what, what does this mean? What does he do? And, and wow, as you hear the news, and I, I just got home, I was driving, so I didn't see any of it until I'd gotten home because I'm responsible and I, I don't check my phone while I'm driving other than to change the song or look at my map quest if I need to. So uh, I didn't see any of the news. And uh, definitely surprised about it. But I tweeted, I said, hey, Hunter Gaddis having a great year, has increased the velocity and – um, has a has a double plus changeup, kind of like Eli Morgan. I said the only issues he really runs into is you know he's had he has good control, but he will you know go through a stretchery walk some guys and uh, he is susceptible to the long ball here and there. And what happened in that third inning on Friday night is he walked a couple of guys and he gave up a home run, a grand slam. So yeah. the first two innings he kind of did everything. You know he he showed that good riding fastball. He got a couple nice sliders turned off and. He had ripped off some good changeups for his first strikeout, and then yeah, walks and home runs. It just it happened very early, and that's a whale of a team to make your debut against, man. He, I can't think of a lineup other than what the the Yankees, the Astros, maybe the Blue Jays. God, those are just like the most brutal lineups you could face in your debut. Yeah, that was a pretty tall task for a guy that I, I think only had a handful of starts in AAA. Uh, it was less than five, if I remember correctly. So yeah, it was three. You know, um, I, I pointed that out to you too. I, I would not want to make my debut against Houston. Um, no. but I think it was a spot start. I, I think Savali will be back before we know it. He went four innings the other night in Columbus. So there's, there's that they needed somebody to come in and log a few innings. And obviously we would have hoped that he looked better in that start, but a guy that's clearly needs more time in AAA, And I'm cool with that. You know, he's a guy that would be, squeezed onto the roster at the end of the season and they felt necessary to just go ahead and do it? Or does that mean that he's a guy that they could, um, hey, we want to see him now and maybe give him the Justin Garza treatment? I I would think not because I, I do think there's value there. Um, if not as a starting pitcher, I think definitely as a reliever because of that, that changeup that he possesses with that running fastball. Um, I think there's mid-rotation potential um, eventually, but didn't look that way on Friday night. There's that. Uh, Will Benson, man, he's a, a package of tools. I mean, he's got all of them. It's just piecing them together and him hitting at the major league level. Good to see him get an opportunity. That's exciting. Um, but it also makes me wonder, is this his Justin, Justin Garza treatment too? Um, is he getting a view now or do they really like him and want to see what he has? Yeah, that's a great question. Just because these guys are on the 40 now doesn't mean – <clears throat> they necessarily will be in the off season or, or what they decide to do. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe not. And, and not that showcasing is a thing, but maybe, maybe the fact they, they like Benson enough to, to get him up, get him some reps and see what he can do. Maybe they're willing to trade him to clear a spot. <clears throat> Same with, with Hunter Gaddis. I don't know. Um, I do think it's interesting. They chose to go with Hunter Gaddis over Peyton Battenfield for the two reasons you said, um, now they could have used, they could, I think because of the timing, a, excuse me, <clears throat> they didn't want to go with Connor Pilkington because of, <clears throat> as you said, the options, he had two left 
And I know people are saying, well, why aren't they doing this now? Why aren't they, you know, they're in the race. They should be starting the best guy they can. Um, <clears throat> I don't necessarily think it has anything to do with him being a lefty. You know, some people pointed that out and, you know, they let Kirk McCarty pitched against them. And that was kind of mm-hmm. a, I hate to say a white flag, but it was, but um, I do think the two options remaining in 2022 made a big difference because, you know, there's still two months of the season left and, yeah. Um, They're being strategic was preserving him. Right. You you really have to because, you know, he's – he at this point, you know, obviously besides Gaddis now, he was the only guy on your roster that you can option, you know, put in the rotation every fifth day if something happened. You know, Kirk McCarty has been kind of, a you know, picking mm-hmm. up some innings when they need him and, and kind of, uh, you know, saving the bullpen, kind of being a good organizational soldier – um, I don't think they, they view that with Pilkington. I think there's there's an intrigue there, at least good depth, and they, they didn't have anybody else. So they want to continue to maintain that depth, as we've seen last year and even this year, how quickly that can erode. So, yeah, they got to be careful because Savali's already hit the IL twice. Who knows? McKenzie has never pitched this deep into a season before. You know, Bieber is coming off a shoulder issue. He's been healthy all year, thankfully, but, you know, he is coming off that issue where he hasn't pitched a full season since 2019. Um you know, please second Quantrill, who knows, you know, so you definitely have to, like you said, be conservative and manage these, these things. And um, so that's why they didn't go with, with Pilkington there. And I, I do wonder though, between Gaddis and, and uh, maybe a Peyton Battenfield. So the only other guy that really would have been maybe considered could have been Xavier Curry. Cause you know, mm-hmm. he's got a little more triple A experience than, than Hunter Gaddis. Um, he was not, on schedule to throw. So I wonder, had he been on, on schedule to throw, would he be an option? Maybe. But <clears throat> the point here is Gaddis and Peyton Battenfield were both on enough rest to throw that game. They chose to go with Gaddis over Battenfield. So <clears throat> like you said, is that a case of do they like Gaddis more than Battenfield? Or do they, like you said, do they feel like, I, and I don't I think Gaddis is better than Justin Garza. Justin Garza is fine, but um, you know, do they think Gaddis is more of, of that situation of, of Garza where they, they'd be okay if they had to remove him from the 40-man roster, not necessarily wanting to, or do they like him more than Battenfield? Because that's my real question here is I think there's some some interesting tells here. Maybe 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 there's more play roster fluctuation-wise, or maybe they, maybe they do like Gaddis more. I'm not sure. I, I mean, I would be willing to venture that it's potentially that they like Gaddis more. Frankly, in our rankings, we we rank him higher, but our rankings mean absolutely nothing to anyone inside, you know, Cleveland's organization. And rankings don't decide all of that anyways. But, um, you know, Battenfield hasn't been as sharp, and, and Gaddis has been pretty impressive in AA, uh, pushing himself into the AAA equation. And, you know, it, it really shows – the need for these depth arms in AAA. Um, when you think you have enough pitching, always get more. Always try to preserve the pitching that you have. And that's why you see a, a Kirk McCarty get claimed off of waivers by Baltimore, you know, and teams are always looking for pitching depth. And part of the reason Cleveland brought in Luis Oviedo, brought him back into the organization, obviously somebody that they would like, but hopefully someone that they think they can work with, maybe extend or get something out of more than he did with Pittsburgh. Um, but you're always always wanting to utilize depth and always wanting to e- increase that depth when you can. Um, 
to me, it was all about preserving that that second option or those two options with Pilkington. You don't want to get yourself into a situation with a minor injury pop up and then he's the lone starter that you have. I think they were thinking and playing the long game. If they can wait it out till September when the rosters expand, I think to 28 now, um, yeah. you know, I would not be surprised if he was an option for him at that point. And, you know, they could just leave him on the roster the rest of the season that way um, without having to worry about any of that. But in the meantime, you still have three weeks in August or a little over three weeks in August at that point in time that, you know, you have to deal with and you have to worry about injuries, um, logging innings, all of that. And as you expressed about McKenzie and Bieber, those are factors. And so is Savali's um, injury playing into all of this. Yeah, we did have Gaddis, what, 39th in the preseason rankings. He was a, a 40 at that point, 40 overall. He's a 45 now, and he is up to 15 in our rankings, whereas Battenfield started the year 12, and he's down to 22. And that's <clears> – I want to say less about what Battenfield's done, more about what other guys have done. Mm-hmm. You know, we did add two rookies – I'm sorry, two draftees ahead of Battenfield and, and DeLauder and Campbell and – you know, Tanner Bybee has, has made significant strides, and Gaddis did. Will Brennan did. Uh, Joey Cantillo showed his upside when he was healthy. We'll get to that. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, Angel Martinez continues to be solid. Savion Curry moved up. So that was really more about what other guys did, less about what Battenfield did, although his strikeouts are down. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that there's probably a good chance they like um, – Gaddis more than Pat and feeling what we do too. Like you said, it doesn't really matter what we think, but we, we did move him ahead in the rankings um, before the, after the, after the draft. So. And, yeah, and you that, seem that must say both, something. Both pitchers have experienced um, just different paths in velocity this season. Gaddis going up a mile or two and Battenfield's going down a mile or two. And I wonder if that, ticks in because Battenfield's not striking out guys like he once did. And I still think he's a major league prospect. And I think that he will either be added to the roster at the end of the season or traded in a deal so he can be rostered back to Tampa Bay or wherever, you know. Um, Do you think Tampa Bay wants to get Junior Camonero back? (laughs) (laughs) I know Zach's Zach's listening right now. He's pounding the table. He's so mad about, but uh, someone tweeted about Junior Camonero today. It was a guy who writes for the Orioles. Uh, or about Orioles prospects, and he tweeted about. It. I was like, "Yeah, I don't trade with Tampa Bay." And of course, Zach, Zach saw it, and he was uh, was very upset about that. Uh, I haven't checked in on Caminero, but last I looked, he was hitting in the low two hundreds. Um, uh, really? Because I, I mean, he, well, he must have had a good. He had a good game the other day. I think it was like a four for four game, and that's what someone tweeted yeah. about. And I was like, "Yeah, he's." Uh, oh no, Junior Caminero. It's 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 still complex league, so. He's not out of. He's not even out of Florida yet. He's not even like at, at Bowling Green or, or, or anything for Tampa Bay. Yeah. But he is hitting 305, 387, 438. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. I think I looked in about a month ago, and he was around two thirty nine, two twenty nine, or something like that. So that may have been right when when the complex league started. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't think they're gonna be trading him back. So there goes that. Um, yeah, uh, Battenfield to me, I'm with you there. He's definitely a major league prospect, whether it's a reliever or, uh, uh, you know, I give him this. He has been a workhorse down in AAA. He has been going six or seven innings, and um, he's built for for innings. So I think he'll be, 
a good pitcher, whether it's here or somewhere else. Somewhere else. Uh, yeah, and, I, don't and know. I think that's the case with both he and um, Gaddis. Even both of them, big dudes. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Let me. I have to say, okay. When I feel like Cleveland has never had a roster full of football players, you know, like okay, you've got <clears throat> you've got Stephen Kwan, who you know is, is short, and Jose Ramirez, the king of all short guys. And you've got Miles Straw, not a big dude. And then you've got, and you got, I guess Tyler Freeman's not huge either, but you know, you've got Nolan Jones now, who is like linebacker sized. Will Benson, mm-hmm. who looks like he would be, I mean, he almost did go to Duke to play basketball. You've got that. You've got Josh Naylor, who's kind of built like a, a tight end. And then you've got, um, you know, you've got McKenzie, who's a, yeah, yeah, fullback. Yeah, Tristan, Tristan McKenzie, who's a bean pole. You know, and you got Hunter Gaddis and Peyton Batfield, who are both like offensive linemen almost. Like, yeah, man, this is this is some of the bigger athletes I think I've ever seen Cleveland have. I remember it, it's been years now, but I, early on when I was first covering Lake County, I first started covering minor league baseball. Uh, the captain's outfield was like there was a bunch of guys who were just like five ten, five nine, five eleven, and everyone's like, "Geez, none of these guys look like they belong on a baseball field." And and you know, you could be any size to play baseball, as as Jose Ramirez has shown us, but. Yeah. Wow. You just you just look at the the size of Cleveland's players right now, like Jones, Gonzalez, Benson, and Battenfield and Gaddis. These guys are huge. Sam Henches, Trevor Steffen. These guys are not like average sized people. They are. They look. Like, they he actually is. look like they're athletes, but maybe not baseball players. Yeah. Connor Pilkington. <laughs> I think he is. Isn't he six six or something too? Uh, he's. I mean, he's certainly. He's tall. Than, I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember how tall he is. He's a pretty big guy, how, too, though. How big is Chase DeLauder? DeLauder, 6'4". Yeah, another big Wendell, dude. Wendell, 6'7". Hilkington's, Hilkington's 6'3", 225. Yeah, Justin Campbell's huge. Yeah, they, they really – I don't know. I just feel like they really beefed up the size of this roster in case they ever want to, like, switch sports. <laughs> then you got Will Dion <laughs> at 5'10". Oh, yeah you, got, yeah, you got Will Dion, who's down there, and uh, – Joe Naranjo is a, a five foot eight guy playing first base, and Jose Tana, John Kenzie Noel. You can't you can't mention size without mentioning him. Yeah. Then you got Logan, three, Logan Allen, three. who's you know, you got Logan Allen and Xavier Curry, who are like are barely six feet. So, I guess it's it's a good mix, I suppose. But it is just funny to see six, the, six. Yeah, big dude. It, it's just fine to see the the juxtaposition on and all these different sizes of, of athletes. I guess that's what makes it, it makes it kind of fun. Um, all right. So we talked about Gaddis's debut, you know, he, like I said, he did struggle after the second inning a little bit and um, it was solid before that. We'll see what happens with him and, and Battenfield. I'm not, I'm not totally sure where that goes on there, but I do, I do think it's at least telling they decided to go with Gaddis over Battenfield in that position, just because they were both, like I said, they were both lined up to start. I wonder if Gad if Curry would have been considered if he was on schedule at that point. So uh, just you know some things to look into there. Um, I don't know how much you've seen of Benson so far. They haven't really let him play a ton, but um, kind of as as expected, I guess for Will Benson so far. You know he's looked good in the outfield. He's run the bases well, and um, he struck out quite a bit. He hasn't had a hit yet. He does have um, a walk and yeah, walk and six strikeouts, and he scored a run. I guess not unexpected. Although I will say uh, his strikeouts have pretty much been looking. He has not really struck out swinging, so I don't know if that's that's continued pat uh, a passive approach at the plate or what's going on there. But I, I don't know how much longer he'll be up. Is the question? 
Yeah, I suspect that they'll run into the issue that, frankly, they just don't have at-bats for these guys, and I could see probably him going back down. Um, you know, I love the athleticism, love to see him get this opportunity. I, I think there's a major league future for him. I just don't think the future is right now for him just because of the situation. There's too many young guys on the team and not enough at-bats for all of them, unfortunately. I know. Do you, do you think before the season, because, you know, our buddy Hiram would, would, you know, scream and kick and yell at this, but do you think before the season that we would have thought that, wow, how are they going to find playing time for um, Oscar Gonzalez and Nolan Jones and Tyler Freeman and Will Benson? They're all up on the roster right now. It's like, do you think before the season we were going to be sitting here debating how do they find playing time for all those guys? Like, well, I, I, I told I you most of us in April. Most of us had probably written Gonzalez out of the stat line. So it just goes to show you really never know. And it seems like he's really been entrenched. Um, seeing him get playing time over Nolan Jones, um, a little surprising. Um, I, I think they want to get Gonzalez back into a groove, though. And he does provide power. Um, maybe Nolan in the future will get some at-bats at first base, too. Who knows, you know, but... Um, no, I wouldn't have believed if, if you'd have told me that, I would have been like, okay, we've had a lot of injuries or something like that for this to have occurred. But for the team to be north of 500 and to come off of a winning series against a very good club with Houston these last few nights, um, you know, I, I think it was an impressive performance coming out of the trade deadline. Yeah, I all the, all this stuff happening right on the trade deadline. I mean, first, like I said, there's Will Benson. Then there's Tyler Freeman, who got the call uh, midway through last week, and, and nobody really believed it because it just didn't make um, a ton of sense. I mean, they sent Ernie Clement down, which I guess Freeman's kind of playing the Ernie Clement role. Like, we can't, I, I don't know. I debated with other people. Like, does it make sense to have Tyler Freeman on the roster if he's playing Ernie? I, I know Ernie Clement – you know, much to the chagrin of many people, nothing against Ernie Clement personally, but um, he played a lot, probably more than he should have been. So mm -hmm. it, the question, though, is, is that enough? Is that enough playing time for Tyler Freeman at the major league level? Is is the, the level that that Clement played at and taking, you know, take note that Tyler Freeman's never played a day of outfield in the in the in the pros, whereas Ernie Clement was shuffled into left field a couple times this year. So I guess you can subtract you know, those, that, that possibility, but is there enough reps for Tyler Freeman right now on the major league roster in the Ernie Clement role minus, you know, the couple of random starts in left field that he had? Well, I think with DH open, sense? yeah, with DH open, and it depends on how they use pinch runners and um, pinch hitters too. There can be, um, I mean, I, I eventually think he's an everyday player. Uh, he could be a, a fun super utility guy playing third base short and, and second. Um, but I I think that may be more of we want to get him at bats. We want to see what he can do. We want our best team on the field going toward the playoffs, so to speak. And, you know, there were rumors that they tried to acquire a, a player you know, that would have filled that role and that didn't work out. Um, 
who just so happened to hit right-handed too. And when deals don't work out, you know, you have to go with internal options sometimes. And as we know, the only trade that happened was our past ball king going to Minnesota for <laughs> Mr. Hamilton. So that's Sir. That's Sir Hamilton. That is Sir. Uh, yeah. I mean, they really got to go on and sign Ryan Burr now. They have to go. I don't know where he's pitching right now, but he has to. They have to go sign Ryan Burr immediately because of that. I think I already made that joke, so I, it's passed. Um, yeah, I, I hope there's enough playing time for him. I, I'm worried about at bats. I mean, like you said, pinch running, defense, that kind of stuff is definitely good. Um, it's it was a good role for any Clement. I don't know if it's a great role for Tyler Freeman because, like you and I agree, he's an everyday player. I think at second base, um, you know, it, it'll work if they. If they get, I mean, Andres Jimenez, I guess it doesn't really matter because Andres Jimenez probably is safer playing the field than he is hitting. Like, could, could you want Jimenez's bat in the lineup, but maybe he needs to be a designated fielder with how many times he's gotten hit this year. Like, I don't know. <laughs> DHing him seems almost unfair because you're like, wow, the one place I'm safe from the ball is probably the field. Um, and but, yeah, that, how much he's been hit, I guess the guy could use some, some days off and time off his feet and – um, Rosario too. Those guys both. I mean, this is the thing. Cleveland for the last several years, you know, going back to when they had Carlos Santana and Cesar Hernandez, Cesar Hernandez and, and Lindor and Jose, those guys played every game, you know, every minute, every inning of every game almost. So they didn't have a lot of days off. Now, I think you feel good having a Tyler Freeman playing shortstop and second and third and those guys DHing the days he does that or something. So I don't think there's yeah, much of a drop-off. I don't think there's much of a drop-off with Freeman in there. And arguably, you could say it's potentially an improvement at shortstop over Ahmed, but I won't get into that since Cleveland Guardians Twitter seems to think that he's the best defensive shortstop in baseball. Um, <laughs> I mean, he I'm has. Not him. I, you know, he has <laughs> had a really good year. I'm, I'm trying to be playful, but – he has had a really good year, made a great play the other night, and it's good to see he has improved defensively this year. But I think it's to the benefit of having uh, Jimenez and Ramirez around him, too. Having those two yes. around him, yeah, it, shading him, shadowing him, whatever you, however you want to call it. But I think it narrows his window of opportunity to make mistakes. And you know what? That's what playing as a team is all about as you make up for one another's weaknesses or liabilities. And he's had, he has athleticism. He's a young player. And, you know, I think like him, um, it's good to see him developing, but it's time to see some of these other guys developing. And I, part of the reason I like Freeman up is because he does have that versatility in that role. Um, I would like to see Big Willie get some hits now while he's up. And uh, yeah. kind of be before, and I do anticipate he will eventually end up getting sent back down. But I would like to see him get a few hits and get turned in the right direction, so to speak, and have something would, to look forward when he comes back. I would like to see Will Benson just hit one home run before he gets sent back down because I just want people to see. I'm or sure they've seen that on Twitter. Yeah, I just <laughs> want to see how far he hits that baseball. The guy just can launch one. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we, I mean, obviously, Frandel had a ton of power, and, and uh, Nolan Jones' his first home run was an absolute shot, too. But, man, Will Benson might have the easiest power um, outside in this organization outside of, you know, Noel. I don't know. I mean, 
I guess he's on par with Nolan Jones. Power wise, I would say they're both. I don't know. Maybe maybe Jones is more of a sixty, whereas well, Benson's probably a seventy, but it's close. Um, yeah, I, I would just like to see him launch one before he does. I don't know. Maybe he won't go back down. I mean, who do you send him back down for? He's your right now. Will Benson is your your fourth outfielder. You have I know you have you know DH is open, and every day you can either play. Benson or Jones or Gonzalez and Wright. The other can DH if you don't need to give Naylor a DH day. Um, I like if they're going to if they're going to continue to DH Naylor though with the spot being open now. Might as well see Benson play some first base. I mean they keep going with Owen Miller. I think we've seen where yeah, his we, role is best served, but we we've seen enough of, of Owen Miller as an everyday player for now. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say that because I think there's a possibility that he's an everyday second baseman somewhere down the line. Um, but I think that takes time for him. Um, I think he needs more at bats and on a regular basis and down at the bottom of the lineup. And, you know, I, I think it's going to take some development time with him. Some guys just take longer than others. And some you just have to have more patience for, I, I think for this team, he would be better suited in a utility role. Um, mm-hmm. was not thinking about Benson, Benson playing first base. But, yeah, that would make sense. I think if he's on the roster, he needs to be playing, whether it comes in, whether he comes in as a defensive replacement, which I think he did the other night for Gonzalez, um, yep. or if he's playing at first base. You know, if you're going to have these young guys up, get a look at them. Let, let them get this experience. You know, I – I said last week on the podcast after the trade deadline um, that the organization is pretenders this season. They're not contenders. And I will stick by what I'm saying there. And, you know, I don't think this is a deep playoff run team, but I think that this opportunity to chase the wild card is a good experience at this level for all of these players, because all of these players may be playing a role in some capacity in this organization or as an asset later for this organization. Yeah. As a trade or something. Yeah. yeah, You could, you could theoretically, you can either give Naylor a day off and you can put Benson at first and you can have, you know, Gonzalez DH and Jones in the outfield, or if you DH Naylor, you can put Benson at first and Jones or Gonzalez in right field. So you you have ways to get these guys in the in the game now, and that's directly tied to the Franville Reyes release. So he went to the Cubs today, if you haven't heard at this point. Um, which you know you probably listen to this. I don't know whoever knows when eight o'clock, nine o'clock, or the next morning on Tuesday. But um, yeah, the Franville Reyes thing, A, surprising, but B, it really opens up a lot of spots. I think that's what they we talked about this last week. You know, they we knew they were trying to find trades for Franville Reyes, and they obviously didn't find one. Um, but it's pretty obvious they they like having this DH spot open, A, because they need it for Naylor's ankle, um, or just his leg in general. And and B, it's just another way for get these get get more of these young guys into the game. And and I think we're gonna see them use it to their advantage. The rest of the year. Now, would you like Franville Reyes of 2020, 2021 at DH? Yeah, you absolutely would take that, but that isn't the player he was this year. And um, I'm, I'm super stunned with how things went, but I don't know. They, that's pretty obvious. They, 
they like the flexibility of having the spot open and um, they were definitely going to non-tender him in the offseason anyway. I mean, they weren't going to go through arbitration with him and they open up the spot now. And I guess he, it gives him the benefit of, of two months with somebody else to try to stick somewhere. But I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty jarring fall for what they needed from him and, and where he is now. Yeah. I mean, some will say, Hey, they saved a million five on his salary. And that's what it was about. Um, I think it was about positional flexibility and the realization that he is not the future. Um, and even if you were to try to move him in the off season and he had some sort of recovery from this, so to speak, if you're willing to talk trade with him in the off season, what are you really going to get back for him? You know, so probably damaged goods or a uh, minimal return. So why not just go ahead and take that value and let him go and get the, get the young guys up and let them get their at bats. Um, you know, I like seeing Naylor get a lot of, a lot of uh, playing time DH and first base. And frankly, he has been so good this year for this team, just the energy that he brings and the power that he's displayed. I mean, it, it's, it's like, he's taking it to another level. Um, some question whether that was there with him. And really there were a lot of questions with Josh Naylor. So, Anything he can bring to this lineup is a plus this year. Um, what a valuable piece for them, because I don't think this club is where they are right now without him. And keeping him in the lineup is definitely a, a valuable commodity for them. Having him healthy, and if that means utilizing DH most of this season and probably some into the future. I, I think they'll will try to stay rotating that, but you know his health may dictate um, the move to more of a full time DH type of position for him in the future because of the injury. But um, you know, like I said, I don't think he's gotten a whole lot of accolades for the production, but for the return from you know from the devastating injury that he had last year, it's amazing because a lot of us question whether he'd ever be back but also for the production and, and the energy, what he's meant to this club this year has been absolutely huge. And, you know, I, I feel like that's kind of gone to the side a little bit and been overlooked, but um, he's just been a huge piece for them. And, and also uh, Rosario playing better this year and Jimenez has been absolutely huge. I think that those three things have been huge for this team this year. Um, so it ends up Reyes expendable and you need at bats. You know, I, I don't feel so bad putting Naylor out there, letting Will Benson get reps. If you feel like he could be a piece of the future, Gonzalez is a guy, another guy that, you know, a lot of us had wrote him off or thought that, Hey, he's got a major league future, but it's going to be limited. Um, he's done well so far, you know, giving credit where credit yeah. is due. And, and Nolan Jones, I think is going to be an everyday player and I would just like to see him get to play every day. Yeah. That's, that's really the goal here is to get these guys playing time every day to see who the next core is going to be. And <clears throat> I mean, it, it is shocking to move on from Reyes so quickly, obviously, you know, there's, there's a lot of layers to it. <laughs> uh, that canceled. Yeah, you? I guess. No, I don't know. I guess the, they probably already have them. So I don't know. I guess they become collector's items. I guess it's a, it's like one of those things, like uh, you know, like Zach Meisel's uh, random jersey sightings, do random bobbleheads. I know 
Reyes wasn't necessarily a random player, but how about collecting bobbleheads for guys that weren't on their team on bobblehead night? I mean, you know, the Nationals gave out Juan, so- Juan Soto's bobblehead before they traded him, thankfully, but, you know, it's funny. Yeah, it's, it's um, a weird situation. I've seen teams back away from the promo, <laughs> and then I've seen teams, you know, follow through with the promo because they had the stuff. Uh, it's a hey, nice buy, you got to use it. It's a nice gesture to fans, or they can maybe they can send him, send them to Chicago and get them repainted. That'd be funny. We'll send you these bobbleheads and uh, cash considerations for Ian Hap. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's all it takes. Yes, the frame race bobblehead definitely alone is, is worth a lot. Of I'll, money. I'll take a bobblehead to be named later. <laughs> that 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 might have been. The best offer out there for for Fran Mel Reyes, given the timing of everything. And I will say, people might have asked, why didn't they release him in the offseason? Why didn't they just keep letting him play? Well, I think had they let him go in the offseason, he and it, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. But um, I think if you DFA him now, you at least have a chance for him to get through waivers. And, and maybe they would have released him in the off. Well, I guess yeah. he would have been a minor league free agent anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered. But um, he would have been. Um, so moving him now, they save $1.5 million. I don't think that's a huge factor. I think it's more about playing time for other young bats. But why not save money in it when you're just going to end up moving the guy to? Well, I wonder, too, if maybe, I don't know, maybe it does him a solid of having a chance to, to hit for someone for two months. And if he hits well, then you know sure. he has maybe has a home next year versus taking a minor league deal in the offseason. So maybe it does him a solid, too. Um, real quick, you're pointing out Josh Naylor's production this year. I, I didn't know this, so they found this interesting. I'm going to ask you, though. Um, he Okay, Josh Naylor currently has a 127 weighted runs created plus, OPS of 810, um, which is, you know, it's fine for a first baseman, 810. You know, you definitely would, would like it to be to be better. The, the, the bar is very high, as we've known, at first base for offensive production. But... Um, 127 weighted runs career plus is, is 27% above league average. So we'll take that uh, no matter what position that the player plays. Um, Willie, he would rank ahead of a certain first baseman that uh, as of today, he doesn't qualify because, you know, he missed, I don't know, two weeks in April. So I can't believe he doesn't have enough bats to qualify at this point, but um, that would put him tied for 11th among all first basemen in the uh, entire, and all of major league baseball. Who do you think that puts him ahead of at first base currently? Jeez, probably a somebody lot of we, big names. Well, it's somebody we talked about a lot over the offseason that we thought Cleveland was going to trade for. Matt Olson. Cleveland. Matt Olson currently a 124 weighted runs created plus, so mm-hmm. um, 3% below Josh Naylor right now. And that's not to say Olson's not having a good year. He's got 21 homers. Um, slugging percentage is, is a little bit uh, – no, they're about even, actually. They're 46 to 42. So um, Naylor's just going it with a little more batting average than Matt Olson is. And the power's sort of equal based on a per plate appearance production attempt. And uh, Olson's played in, in more games because he's been healthier. But um, how about that? All we, all, we all, all of us wanted Matt Olson. All of us thought it made all the sense in the world to trade for Matt Olson. Um, and Josh well, Naylor right saw- there producing at the same level. Yeah, and we saw Naylor being ready and playing the number of games he has when, frankly, we thought, hey, he could miss half of the season if he even plays this year or even again. So, I, I you know, I, I'll just throw that out there. How huge is that? And to me, he has to be in the running for the comeback player of the year. 
Yes. Willie, I if that if that happened to my leg doing anything, playing any sport, I'm retiring. I quit. I'm done. If that happened to me <laughs> my leg, I'm I'm not playing sports ever again. Fit me for a wheelchair. I don't know. That that was nasty and yes. dude just got right back up and, and he's he got back in the lineup in April and he has been I mean, if he if he's in theory, if he's healthier next year. Like, let's say he's played a year on this leg, and yep. he got stronger, and maybe next year, a year moving the surgery, he feels better. It stands the reason he might be even better a year from now. Who knows? Yeah, I, and he's still such a young player too. Um, I don't remember his age. I think he's around. He's twenty five. He'll be he'll be twenty six next summer. Uh get this man an extension. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's <laughs> before I the season. About, I don't know how much. I, yeah. I said that about a current Cubs player right now, too, though. So, Oof. yeah, there. <laughs> I think who? Gosh, the preseason extensions. We said okay, Re- Naylor or not Naylor, uh Reyes, uh-huh. uh H- Hedges, and what'd you say, Cal Quantrill? Maybe? Yes. Yeah. And I would. I would not give any. Well, Reyes is gone, but I wouldn't. I mean, I guess you can give. You need to, someone. They need to have a catcher next year, I suppose. So I guess you can still yeah. extend hedges, but. Uh, to yeah, me, wow, yeah. And, and <laughs> speaking of hedges, that to me that is either the plan. I know some people think they're going to be able to get him back for four million dollars, the same salary he had this year, uh, because his uh, approach at the plate is atrocious, and I think there are going to be takers for hedges, and it's not going to be that easy. Uh, I. Concerned that Cleveland may have painted themselves into the corner, so to speak, on the catching market. I know Bo Naylor, yeah. uh, you know, um, we'll talk about reason, that. he's not ready for a 162 game season yet at the big league level. Not if you're wanting to compete at a championship level. And that's not a knock on Bo. It's just, hey, he's the young catcher and it's hard on any catcher. You, you need lots of catching and you need catching depth. And, uh, you Let's- know, the. Go ahead. No, to, to point out the services for Hedges and, and how many people rag on Hedges, this is – and, yes, Cleveland definitely needs more offensive production at, from their catcher spot. You can And you can hide having a bad hitting catcher who excels on defense when you have a deep lineup, but Cleveland is still searching for, yep. you know, kind of uh, hitters, you know, seven through eight and, or six, seven, and eight, really. There's still some, some holes there. So they don't really have the luxury of hiding in Austin Hedges offensively, but – Last year, if you look at um, offensive rating on fan graphs, this is just offense um, and base running, you know, above average. Last year for Austin Hedges in 88 games played, uh, negative 23.3 offensive ratings. That's how little he contributed to the team offensively last year. And he still managed. uh, It's it's very low. It's 0.01 more. But he did not – so he had literally 20 points below average. He he was – 60% 60% below average offensively than the rest of the league at 40 runs rate weighted runs created plus still managed a positive war. Same this year, negative 13.4 offensive rating and a uh, 54 weighted runs created plus. He still has a 0.02 war. And again, that's very, very thin. That's repl- less than replacement player level, but um, that tells you how bad his offense is. It also tells you how good his defense is. So, um, yeah, and a lot and of teams will be interested in him as a backup, at least. Exactly. That's exactly where I was going to go with the conversation. Is what that tells me is he is miscast as a starting catcher. He should be the backup catcher or a rotational 
defensive replacement, defensive replacement um, in some capacity like that. And I think with the extra roster spot in the future, you know, you can carry a, a third catcher, a guy that like a Brian Lostita who has positional flexibility that could take over at first base or take over at second base or could catch or possibly play a little bit of left field or something for you. If somebody were to be injured in game, you know, um, I think that's where they would have to be creative. And that's part of the reason I think, you know, the, the club could look to pursue Sean Murphy again in the off season, um, because you can be flexible with some of these guys. You know, I know Lava Steve is going to be on the 40. Naylor will be added to the 40 man and they have Maley who is expected to be back and they have one more year of control who has been solid at, when he's played. You know, I, I don't think you can really complain about Maley um, if he is just a backup catcher and you have it locked down tight already. So if Sean Murphy was brought here for not the top four prospects and Luke Maley was the backup catcher, nobody would be complaining when, when Luke Maley was out there um, on his nights. Right. But when you, right. when you have some sort of rotation between Hedges, who is obviously suboptimal offensively, and Maley is too, but he's an okay defender, you know, yeah. It's just one of the weakest positions in the organization, and hopefully they will tighten that up. I think Naylor helps in that regard. He will long-term. Um, I'm not a crazy man. I've been on Naylor all of this time, and I've heard <laughs> people, hey, Lavastida is going to be the backup here. We, we, need to, we need to just keep cool heads. It takes time. I think catcher is one of the positions. It takes time. You have to be patient, and you have to have depth at. So. My tangent. I'm off of my soapbox now. So Willie is the biggest Austin Hedges supporter out there, as as your takeaway from this, obviously, as he is related to Austin Hedges in some way that we don't know about. Um, I I need to check (laughs) Ancestry.com. Hey, Austin Hedges is a cool dude. So that's okay. He's he's uh, he is a great clubhouse guy, and and uh, always the first one in the dugout to be celebrating one of his, his teammates accomplishments that's always a good thing i, um, I noticed the other day the great quality of a backup catcher yeah i noticed the other day when gonzalez got a hit the first thing he did is he went over to austin hedges and started talking to him huh and i was like i wonder what's going on there but it, it tells me that he's a leader in the clubhouse just by visual things watching people watching how they respond a hitter just got a hit. When he comes back in, he talks to one of the leaders on the team. You know, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what I saw. He's he's talking to his catcher, who is Austin Hedges. And we know that Hedges seems to have emerged, emerged among the young guys there um, as a veteran presence, but more than that, as a leader um, in the clubhouse, too. So... So you heard it here first. Austin Hedges will be back next year. Um, that's what we, I don't know. That's it's a possibility. I, I really, I think <laughs> I it's, I think it's one of two people next year back there. One would be outside of the organization and the other one is Austin Hedges. Yeah. Hopefully the other one's Bo Naylor. I, I'm okay with, with those two splitting uh, just because. Oh, I, I there. Yeah. And yeah. What those two bring to the table, I think would be very interesting and, and would be good for Bo Naylor's feature as well. Um, Let's see. We, t- we covered Fran Mills' release. Alex Call, real quick, a, a send-off to him. He's with the Nationals now. Uh, not surprised. You know, they gave him a little bit of run-up here. They felt like he was a better fit for the roster than Oscar Mercado. Didn't get a lot of playing time, pretty obviously. 
Um, wasn't we knew he wasn't part of the future here, but hey, they gave him a, a little bit of exposure and they put him on the forty, and that allowed the Nationals to DFA or to to grab him on waivers. So now he's going to have more of a chance to play in Washington. So um, I don't know. That's that's good for everybody. It's good because we, we've said all year Alex Call deserves a shot in the majors based on what he's done. It wasn't meant to be here. And, you know, now George Valera is in AAA. Fran Reyes is gone. And uh, Call wasn't going to play over Jones and Benson and, and Gonzalez and right field. So good for Alex Call. And, and now he gets a shot somewhere else. So that worked out exactly how I thought it should have, really. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty well the script, so to speak. You could see the writing on the wall and there it is. Yeah. So, and yeah, not, not a bad thing for anybody involved really. I mean, yeah, I would call like to be on a better team. Sure. But he's going to get some reps, which is, which is good yeah. for him. And Cleveland uh, gave him a little bit of run. So, you know, we talked about Gaddis and Battenfield and the 40 man. Uh, so, you know, they've, they've kind of made, I don't know. It seems very unlikely, you know, barring anything really weird that Hunter Gaddis and, Will Benson, you know, especially those two guys, probably, it seems very unlikely they're going to just straight up DFA those guys in the offseason, right? If, if anything happens, they will trade them to clear up their spots if they decide they're not part of the future or if it's Peyton Battenfield and they decide that they don't have enough room for him or something. But um, regardless, you know, those guys, they've made 40-man decisions on Gaddis and Benson now, so they've at least tipped their hand into clearing a spot and they can probably clear a spot for Cody Morris. who I think has to come off the uh, rehab list tomorrow. I want to say um, that that's, that seems like Jake Jewell. That seems like really an easy spot there. You DFA Jake Jewell and boom, Cody Morris is back. Um, I don't know how they'll handle the Aaron Savali spot necessarily. Maybe that's, that's Kirk McCarty. I yeah, I think, think they're, I think they're going to go probably Brian Shaw McCarty again or something. Um, and well, they're not they're not they're DFAing gonna, Shaw. Savali yeah. Savali pitches Savali pitches on Wednesday, so I'm guessing oh, on the forty the forty. I, I no, I don't. No, you know what? Savali never won on the sixty. He's only on the forty. So on on the so Savali doesn't need to be re-added to the forty. He's already on it, so they're good. I'm sorry. So Jake Jewell for Cody Morris. Yeah. No, I, I thought that for some reason Savali was not on the 40 because he was on the 60-day IL, but he is not. So, um, yeah, so Cody Morris off the rehab list this week, probably for Jake Jewell. They don't need to, to DFA anybody to re-add Savali. So, they'll probably just – I don't know who they'll send down, truthfully. I mean, they have – I don't know. I don't know who goes down for Savali. Astro? If, uh, yeah. Well, they're not up because off the roster when they need to add somebody. Um I think McCarty well, goes down whenever Savali. McCarty is back down, so I guess if they DFA oh. Jewel, um, that just opens up a spot in the forty for for Morris, and then uh, once he's off the once he's off the twenty six for being DFA, then that opens up a spot for Savali. So I guess Jake Jewel is the only move they need to make for that. So, but they've painted themselves not in their corner, but they've definitely painted themselves. Uh, they tipped their hand a little bit in terms of, you know, Hunter Gaddis and, and Will Benson being on the 40. I don't know what their futures will be here, but they're on the 40. They'll have to make decisions whether they're staying on the 40 or if they decide they need to open their spots too. Because like you said last week, there's Shaw, there's Maley that could go off the roster at the end of the year. And there's um, Anthony Goes won't be back. 
Anthony Castro. Free agent. Castro will be off there. Um, McCarty will be off. Uh, there's some other guys. I can't remember everyone. Um, oh, gee, as a pitcher, do there's they, another. Do, they, do you think that with, with Ernie Clement and Triple A, and I've said no for a couple weeks, I've been saying everybody wanted to get rid of Ernie Clement. I don't know. People keep saying they can DFA him off the 40. I don't know. Now that they set him down, does that seem like more of an option? Because I still feel like they like Ernie, and I think they at least like the ability to have somebody with major league experience be able to move up and down from Triple A. I think he'd get claimed. He would get claimed. Yeah, I think somebody would pick him up because of his defensive versatility. Um, And he does have options. So, you know, there's two things in his favor right there. Um, You know, there's there's guys that they can move. I'm not placing who it is. Seems like there's another pitcher that can come off of there. There were three that stood out to me that they could move off. Oh, Anthony Ghost, they could move off of the roster in the offseason. He's already on the 60, though. Um, yeah, so that doesn't really count at this point. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna be tough. It's that's again we're gonna spend we're gonna spend forever talking about this. Truthfully, yeah, that's a whole podcast in the off season or, or two doing the roster. I know munitions, and, and we're fifty three minutes in, and I said it's gonna be a short podcast. So we've you know gotten this so is short for us. <laughs> this is short for us. Uh, so yeah, Cody Morris will be back, back off the rehab list this week, so he'll be an option to come back or come up in Cleveland. I think Morris will definitely get a look this year. Um, I'd be surprised if we don't see him by the end of the year, whether it's in a relief role or a spot start. He is yep. he is being brought back as a starter. I mean, he is going every fifth day, so it's not like he's – and look, it, even if he comes up as a reliever, it's not going to be as a, a guy who pitches back-to-back days, not necessarily right away. Um, he's never done that in his career, and he's coming off of two straight injuries. You know, he didn't pitch 2020, obviously. Um, didn't pitch most of last year because of an injury, and then he hasn't pitched most of this year because of an injury. So this guy has very few innings the last three seasons. Um, and quite frankly, he was capped at uh, 90 innings. And in, in, So this guy had 90 pro innings before 2020. Um, and he, and since, 20, since he pitched 90 innings in 2019, he has pitched um, – under 60 innings. So he pitched 90 innings in 2019 and he has pitched only 60 innings since 2019. So not a lot of buildup and, and um, yeah, I guess the experience doesn't really matter for him because he's, you know, he is who he is. He's pretty freaking talented. Right. So it's just, he doesn't have a lot of buildup. Um, if he comes up as a reliever, I just wouldn't expect him to pitch on back-to-back days, but I do anticipate he will get a look this year, whether it's a spot start or, um, you know, he just pitches as a reliever every couple of days. Yeah, I, and I think his future is in the bullpen. I, I think their hope and the reason they're bringing him out as a starter is to get as many innings out of him or in on him as possible. So if they can get him above 30 innings this year, I think they'd be fairly happy with that. He goes to Arizona or Instructs or maybe both and logs more this fall and then comes back, I think, as a power reliever, um, you and I both like him a lot. And yes, he's dropped in the standings because of the time missed, but there's significant upside here for a, a back end power relief arm. So um, he's still somebody I'm excited about despite the injuries. And, you know, I'll, I'll throw out Joey Cantillo um, in, into that mix to uh, somebody I'm still very excited about despite the injuries and another guy that will need to be rostered in the off season. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's unfortunate with Morris is that he's going to be a reliever now. I think you just can't trust that 
two years in a row out of spring training, he has had two two injuries. And it doesn't mean he can't start in the future. You know, Carlos Carrasco, his was not health related. It was more stuff and routine oriented stuff. So he, he took a while for him to acclimate himself to major level. Um, so you never know. I mean, I'm trying to think Mike Miner was the guy who got hurt a lot with the Royals mm-hmm. and the, he was a reliever for a couple of years. Then he came back as a starter and he was okay. So it's been done before where a guy has been shifted to the bullpen because of injuries and then has been stretched back out as a starter. So that still could happen to Morris, but I think for right now, given the makeup of this team, I think it makes the most sense for him to to be a reliever. And it, it is hard to trust him health-wise, but he could still be a very dynamite reliever. You're absolutely right. The stuff is good. Um, a lot of changes with him that have been really good in terms of his delivery, his fastball shape, and um, the command's been good. So, yeah, I'm with you there. The Joey Cantillo one really hurt. So, Joey Cantillo, if you've been listening, keeping up with it online, um, he went from July, June 30th until – Oh, gosh, the end of July. So the guy went a month without starting. Literally, it was pretty much a, a calendar month, if you look at his starts. Um, came back, pitched four innings. Then he gave him a hit, two walks, struck out four. Looked really good. Uh, good stuff. And he was placed in the IL last week with a shoulder with a shoulder strain. That is bad. Shoulder Shoulders are, are not good, as we see. Daniel Espino has been out all year with, with shoulder soreness. So um, that really stinks. And... I know they were trying to be careful with Cantillo's innings. They were saying, hey, it's a month off for rest because he pitched like six innings last year and then obviously didn't pitch in 2021, trying to avoid what happened to Cody Morris. And then Cantillo goes on the aisle anyway. So um, super unfortunate. I think the, th- the lesson we learned from this, Willie, as, as I know you're more aware than I am, is that injured pitchers um, – they don't lose va- they don't lose value in the offseason in terms of their rule five status. If anything, they gain value because uh, yep. teams can hide them on the IL. So Joey, people thinking, oh, Joey Cantillo got hurt. Cleveland can you know maybe hold off on rostering him and hang nope. on to him and seeing if he gets healthy. That's not the nope. case. He will still be valued in the rule five draft because of his um, roster machinations and being able to to hold him on the IL. So if anything, this this injury probably. Continued to skyrocket. I don't want to say skyrocket. I think it definitely raises increases. Value. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To me, it raises value if he if he is unprotected. I protect him and I run him out to Arizona this fall. Um, I mentioned this with Espino. I hate the the shutdown and the ramp up. Um, that does that never makes sense to me. I get why they wanted to have Cantillo rest to me there's a difference between throwing bullpens and throwing sides and being pitching competitively starting competitively every i guess seven days for him in double a there is um i i just wonder maybe they should have handled it a little bit differently with him maybe this is one of those things that was just going to happen it it does with some guys injured pitchers get injured i've said that ba has a big study out on it and it i mean the proof is in the pudding it we've seen it time and time again um, unfortunately there's talented arms that just, they never kick the injury bug. Um, man, Kerry Wood was special when he was a starting pitcher, oh, but man. he never, never kicked the injury bug and ended up a, a very nice bullpen arm too, at, at one point in time. Um, yeah, former Cleveland Indian yeah. closer, <laughs> uh, not a great one. <laughs> I, I, I was, I was irrationally excited about the Kerry Wood signing. Let me tell you, I thought it was big for was and then, oops, so. Clearly, uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, I was in college at that point, and I clearly knew 
less about baseball than I know now, which isn't a lot. So there you go. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's unfortunate. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I might. The I might have. Know, the uh, more you know, somebody told me so. That's true. The more, yeah, the more you know, the less you know. I think it's uh, you don't, or you don't know what you don't know. Yes. Maybe that's what it is. You don't know what you don't know. Um, or the more right, you think so more you know, is, it's the less you know. So. That's right. Ignorance is is not good. I don't know how to say ignorance is bliss, but ignorance is still ignorance. Um, and we talked about Cantillo's injury and Morris is back. Uh, Tanner Bybee was on Keith Law's top 60 prospects midseason. Uh, he doesn't appear on anybody else's top 100, and Keith Law has been high on some Guardians prospects before. Jose Tena was was you know famously high on his and nobody else had him and he hasn't mm-hmm. had a great year so you know we'll see but um he's also very I expect by this time, way. um he is but I, I expect Tanner Bybee to be on top of hundreds by this time next year I think he has been good oh, enough this year and yeah I think next yeah, year and I be, think I think Tanner has a bit of a bounce back season next year. I I do think he's a talented short sub you can see it if you watch him you can see the talent is there. Um Boy, he he still needs to walk more, though. You know, it is a problem. Maybe that's something that he picks up in Akron. Is more patience, more walks. He's he's had stretches this year where he has turned the bat on, and the and he's hitting a slugging over four hundred now. So he's been fine. I think he'll get there. He has struck out the same as he did a year ago. Walked a little bit less, and um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really sure what what you do with any of that, but. Uh, another guy in the 40. We'll see. Uh, but Tanner Bybee. You him in the offseason. <laughs> I mean, why not? If, if it, well, I think, you know, we talked a lot about Jose Tana and his value last year. Remember we had said before the 40-man the, the roster deadline uh, back in November of 2021, mm-hmm. we had said maybe now isn't the right time to trade Jose Tana because if he, you know, he had a great year in high A. He was, yes, he was 20, but what if he plays all of his age 21 in double A and has a great season? Then that's where his value peaks. Well, his he didn't play better, so maybe the value was better last season. You know, yeah, his value is okay right now, but is okay value or okay performance as an extremely young player? I think he's year three years younger than league average, if I remember correctly. Um, I mean, that's pretty impressive still. Well. Double A, the average age double A has gotten out of control this year. Cause I think I looked at one point and I, I can't remember who I was looking at, but they, they were around Jose Tana's age and they were like, yeah, three or four years younger than the average age. I'm like, man, four years ago in double A, if you were 21, you were like, I don't know, a year or two younger than the rest of the league. And now you're like, yeah, like you said, they're three or four years younger. So it's gotten out of control with, you know, COVID did that obviously, but yeah. um, it, it's crazy. So. Yeah, Tanner Bybee, I think that's that's a big problem. We could have had a whole podcast on this, too, because I tweeted this earlier today, and I know you and our buddy Jared both agreed that, you know, Cleveland's top pitching prospects are Daniel Espino, Gavin Williams, and you can kind of – I feel like you can kind of rank them interchangeably at this point because of Espino's health. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got – I think we, I think you you even said, and I agreed with you, Tanner Bybee is, is clearly this organization's – yeah, he is clearly the third-best pitching prospect. And, and – you and I both loved at Logan Allen coming to the season. We still do, but I think Bybee's clearly ahead of him. But Williams, Espino, Bybee, Allen, those guys don't have to be on the 40 until uh, next offseason. And for Bybee, doesn't have to be on there until uh, 2024. And those guys are arguably the four pitching prospects closest to the majors next year. 
besides Gaddis and Curry and, and Battenfield. So, um, yeah, the, and the those, most those talented players. wave of arms is not there yet, right? So to speak. That, and, that's a that's a good problem, but it's a problem. Yeah, and and you add, I think, two high profile arms from the draft class this year with. Parker Messick and Justin Campbell, who I think a lot of people will be very excited with both of those next year. Cause I expect both of them to come in throwing a little bit harder, their stuff to be a little bit deeper. Um, and both of them command guys, both of them athletes in, in Messick. I suspect that his velocity is going to take northward. So I'm excited to see what the future holds as far as pitching goes with this organization. Cause there's some guys that I think are major league pitchers that are on on the roster or on the verge of being on the roster, Xavion uh, Curry, you know, a smaller guy might end up in the bullpen. He may end up as a, a fifth starter for, a, you know, Cleveland or another club who knows, you know, but right. I, I think the four best five, six best guys are still a year from being added to the major league club. Um, that's a good problem. They, to have. Unless they just run a room. Yeah, if they can help next year, like, you know, those guys are, um, I don't know, they don't they don't match the timeline of, of Jones and, and Freeman and mm-hmm. um, of all the guys that have made the their debuts this year and will be leaders of the club the next couple of years. So it's just funny to see how, how their best pitching prospects are. They're close to the majors, but their, their 40-man time doesn't dictate that they are and, and – it they, almost it, feels like uh, they may have to go into the off season and add somebody with some length on their contract that will bridge that gap. And, and I think we eventually see that happening. You know, there was rumors around Zach Plesek being traded and um, I think they eventually move off of him. There's rumors about Shane Bieber. Will Bieber take an extension? a discounted extension because he's looked pretty good his last few starts. You know, I wouldn't be against it if it was at a reasonable price, but I wouldn't pay an astronomical price for him. You know, a lot of good stuff setting up for the off season. So I look forward to some of our off season discussions, Justin. I do too. And you know what I'm saying right now, I will talk a lot about the off season, but I say, screw it. Uh, sometime, sometime next season, Bybee, Williams, Allen should all be in your rotation. Do what you got to do with the rest of those guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think those guys got to be up and they got to be part of your rotation at, next year. And you do what you got to do to make it work and you do what you can for your organization. But those are the, those are your best pitching guys. Let, let's pair the best starting pitching prospects with the best position player prospects and the best position player guys, you know, including Valera and, and, I don't, know if I'm, I don't know if I'm including Noel in that class just yet, but Rocchio and Freeman and and all the guys that are in the majors now. That's the timeline. That's how what you can do to help yourself all be together. And and I know you want to spread these out because of contractual control, and you want to be able to continue to keep the pipeline going. But those guys for sure could be all pitchers in a playoff caliber rotation. So hopefully they Excellent. can make the timelines work. Um, all of yeah, them Nygaard. with all of them with better stuff than what we're seeing from a lot of the guys in Cleveland's rotation right now. Um, I'm not dissing Shane Bieber, or Tristan McKenzie, but a lot of those guys have better stuff overall and project to have as high or higher ceilings as those guys for what they are right now. Hang on, hang on to Bieber and hang on to uh, 
McKenzie. Um, McKenzie for sure, and then figure out the next three coming behind them. And yep. not that nothing, nothing's wrong with nothing wrong with Quantrill or Plesak. They pitched fine this year. They've had their ups and downs, but yeah, um, yeah. The the best pitching prospects mm. I think are are close, but they're not necessarily you know having to be put on the forty. And they have to be careful about that. But yeah, um, real quickly, nine Guardians are now on the MLB pipeline, um, top one hundred, and there's six of them on, on BP. Or I'm sorry, on BA. Uh, one of them is Bo Naylor, who entered on both of them now. And and here's my conspiracy theory, Willie. This is how I want to end things this week. Um, my conspiracy theory is that I think I sent you the tweet that I got. Um, because oh, Cleveland yes. doesn't – yes, if they – because they don't need to add them to the 40 to do it. And and we don't know how many players uh, were, are unvaccinated and won't be able to travel to Toronto. We don't know that yet. We think there's one, maybe – Three total, we know for sure. We think one. Um, it and it doesn't sound like they're going to need a catcher. It sounds like both the catchers will be on on the trip, so that's not an issue. But I kind of wonder if they might do Naylor a solid, given the work he's put in this year, given how much the organization likes him, mm-hmm. that they find a way for him to be on the roster without having to put him on the forty yet, and not burn service time or an option with him because of the COVID rules. And let him make his debut in Toronto with his brother at home. That's my, and we got, I got this information. I'll just say right now is uh, from a guy who works for the Toronto, I'm sorry, Toronto, the Ontario Blue Jays, which is an amateur team that Bo Naylor played with. Um, That's all I'll say. He thinks we'll see him in Toronto. I hope we do. I don't know if it's true. (laughs) I I think I'm not, I'm not saying it's true, but it would, you're right. It would be awesome. Even if they used him as, I don't know if they're still doing any of the taxi players for those type of situations, but that would be a great way to get him on the roster, get him some time there in Toronto, and, hey, we're excited about your future. Let him pick the brain of Austin Hedges and Luke Maley there while he's in Toronto and spend some time with his brother too. Exactly, and, and do it at home for sure. I think that's, that is something the organization would do because they are – they do take care of the guys like that in those situations. And I do, I think it's a possibility they could do it for sure. I don't know if they will for sure. And maybe that was just somebody who worked for the Ontario blue Jays. That was hopeful they would see him, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking into existence just because I think it would be super interesting if they did it. Um, so we'll see Carlos Vargas real quick. Then his first career save uh, yesterday for Columbia. Or I'm sorry for Akron. It's that Saturday. I can't remember now. It might've been Saturday. I'm not sure, but Either way, how about that? Carlos Vargas out of the bullpen. Speaking of speaking things into existence. Um, <laughs> We've been calling that for a couple of years now. I know. I know. So there's that. Uh, he, yeah, he's still pitching about every – is he still pitching every fifth day? Let me see. Uh, yeah, he's still pitching. He pitched uh, the 29th and the 2nd, so that wasn't quite five days. Yeah, it's every it's five days. So he's still, pitch, he's still pitching on a starter schedule for the most part, and he's not pitching more than two innings. But you know what? I'm I'm here for it. That's fine. Bullpen yeah. Carlos Vargas is is the way to go. And then uh, I'm George. I'm excited about the potential of Trevor Stephan. Even Sam Hench is back there. It, I mean, not that he's it's been awesome. He's, yeah, but he's put in work. Um, Vargas, Morris, and Class A. That could be a power packed bullpen. I mean, that a lot of fun that they can have. Yeah. Hey, James Karinchak has looked like his 
normal self again, which I don't know if he'd ever call him normal, but his normal <laughs> James Car- James Karen Jack self. His baseline. Uh, yeah, he's looking like, you know, I mean, let's see, 47% strikeout, 41% strikeout rate, 12% walk rate, and that's that's James Karen Jack in a nutshell, and him yelling at himself on the mound and getting getting fired up. So, yeah, he looks like he's he's back to being pretty good, sometimes inconsistent, always entertaining, and um this is bad so yeah he's he's kind of kind of back where he belongs i guess i don't know uh george valera promoted the triple a today as well finally i thought we thought we thought it was going to happen um right after the futures game obviously the club didn't think, plan on oscar mercado clearing waivers and then they you know finally moving on from alex call and, and Brandon reyes they had ruined triple a for him so uh yeah, we'll see what happens to George Valera, but you know, tri- AAA is one of those things. It's it's weird. Like, I still think there's a lot of value in playing in AAA. I know people are saying, well, AA is is better than AAA, but it's really not because, yeah, AAA and hitting environments a little bit different because of the ballparks. But, um, you know, you're facing pitchers that have had, you know, some major league success. You're facing the Connor Pilkingtons and the, um, you're still facing some, you know, Cody Morris's, you know, prospects, and you're still facing, um other triple a guys that have had major league success. So there, there's still something to be said for learning a triple a and, and, you know, facing that kind of talent. So I still think there's, you know, it's still harder to skip triple a than, than it is to go than people think it is. And then, uh, we got two questions real quick, Willie, so we can get out of here on the questions. Uh, our buddy Chuck, who, uh, yeah, I'm going to be on Thursday. I'm going to join him and Zach on the At the Corner pod Thursday. I know you have another day. You're joining them coming up soon, right? Yep. Uh, I think we have a verbal agreement on a date now. Okay, cool. So, yeah, well, you can catch both Willie and I on another podcast in the coming weeks. And then I'm doing the, the Waiting for Next Year Corner cast the following week as well. So I've got a couple different podcasts lined up. So, uh Never take a day off, I guess. But Chuck wanted to know more starts next year between Logan Allen, Xavier Curry, Hunter Gaddis, or Gavin Williams. And that that's going to speak right to our issue of the Allen and Williams issue because uh, those two are better than Curry and Gaddis, but they are not bumping up against the 40-man. So uh, I'm going to say, as of today, I'm going to say Hunter Gaddis. Yeah, Allen doesn't need to be on. Curry will... Um... Williams is still two years away. Yeah, and Williams doesn't <laughs> which, which is ridiculous. No, it, and all these three. all these guys will be in AAA next year. All of them. They're all, all AAA arms next year. It's amazing. <laughs> it's 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 yeah, this is just and, I mean and you can't throw out Connor Pilkington <laughs> and them wanting a lefty around because if he doesn't work out as a starter, you can always throw a lefty in the bullpen and see if they work out of the pen. So that, you know there's some additional value with the left hander. Um, I think you see more starts from Hunter Gaddis, like you said. Uh, I do believe Curry's on a 40-man roster, not sure if it'll be Cleveland or not. Yeah, and the thing with Pilkington, too, is he's got, like you said, he's got two options left after this year. Mm-hmm. And he's got, you know, he's, he's had some major, major league success. And look how long they hung on to Adam Plutko. You know, they, they you need those guys. And I'm not, I'm not saying Plutko's not good. I'm not saying... Pilkington is, is worse or better. I'm just saying you need experienced six starters. Yeah. yeah and, 
and he's optionable. So yeah, it's it's tough. You can't move on from guys like that just because you you need about seven or eight starters, you know, every season, if not more. Um, and a, in a good year, yeah, in a good year, you only need eight. That's a good year. Um, so yeah, I, I would say you just Gattis talk about Quintillo and Morris. I mean, we're we're already talking 10, 11 guys deep next year as far as starting. Finally, yeah, just not a lot of experience. And then um, I had one more question. Our buddy BJ Goff, outside of Bo Naylor, who would you be most excited to see in Toronto? Because they kind of have a free roster spot. We talked about Bo Naylor. Yeah, it, it, again, if nobody, if someone's not vaccinated. Um, Cleveland is allowed to put somebody who's not on the 40 man roster to come with them to take their spot without calling them up, putting them on the 40 or burning an option or starting service time. Um, I don't know that they would do it with Cody Morris just yet, but I guess Morris and Naylor are the only guys I can really think of. I mean, you're probably going to have Will Brennan. Will Brennan would be fun, but um, oh, I, well, if, it's, it's going to depend on who's not vaccinated, really. Yeah, yeah, and who knows? Will Brennan may not be vaccinated. Will Brennan yeah, would be fun. Um, Cody Morris was the first name that came to mind because I'm excited about seeing him back and getting a few innings. Um, like you, I do suspect he gets a few innings with the big club this year. Um, I guess they would bring back Ernie Clement if any of the infielders. I don't know. Maybe Ernie. I don't know if Ernie's not vaccinated. It's hard. We got to wrap it up with that. He can't be back in Cleveland. Come on. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, it's hard. It's hard to say who it could be. You know, I was thinking like, how about Jose Fermin? Like, Jose Fermin's a guy I would like to see get a shot if like if they had a couple infielders that couldn't make yeah. the trip. I have no idea. So I think really I think cool. I've heard. I think I've heard that there's maybe three players aren't going i don't know who they are but I, i've heard maybe that there's three and maybe that's changed since last i've heard it because who knows if it was you know if it was Randall reyes or whoever else is not on the team anymore i have no idea so yeah i don't know there there's there's so many possible ways to go with that bo naylor and cody morris hopefully are, are guys that would get that call and then how about i'll end it on this note um i i was joking around earlier on twitter today willie that um oh you'll probably see alexi planez or jonathan rodriguez go to akron to take George Valera's place, but how about Petey Halpin go to triple go to double A? He has he had over a thousand OPS in the month of July and uh, is off to a similar start in the month of August. It's early, but uh, 266, 351, 370 for a 104 WRC plus at age 20 in high A, a 20% strikeout rate, a 10% walk rate, and uh, 15 for 20 on steals. I, <laughs> he would be the youngest guy in double A, but I don't know. That'd be funny. If, there's another outfielder that's striking me as somebody that could be a possibility for that. And you may know who I'm thinking of already. Uh, Jonathan Rodriguez. Yeah. Well, I, I was just joking that those two guys are the, the obvious sure. choices to go. Yeah. I'm just saying I mean, those two are the obvious ones. Halpin should be just send, just send already. PD Halpin up. Just do dragging it. the feet, but just just send PD Halpin up. Just do it. He should be in Cleveland already. Replace Miles Straw. trade Straw this off season. It's okay. Yeah, PD Halpin for starting center field on opening day in in 2023. That's what the podcast wants. <laughs> that's that's how we're ending the podcast this week. Is our our vote for PD Halpin in center field in 2023? I Number feel like PD Halpin is organization. It should be. 
he has become the unofficial mascot of our podcast. Let, let's just go with that. Well, we All need right, to have well, him on. Man. I don't know why we haven't thought of that. Yeah, I think I'll reach. I, I did. I did uh, message him. I talked to him right after he got drafted. So maybe we'll try to work that out this offseason. We'll see. Um, I'll be like, wow, I didn't realize that there was a whole cold falling on this podcast for me. It's, he's probably going to think it's weird, but um, we'll see what we can do. Uh, I said this is going to be a short podcast, and here we are an hour and 20 minutes in. So uh, thanks for listening. And uh, I don't know. We'll try to make things. It's been it's been an odd, odd setup podcast-wise the last few times out just because of how things have been going. So uh, we haven't gotten to players of the week and things like that. But um, I think yeah. we'll get back to it next week. So really thanks for taking the time to do this. And, and thanks for everybody who listened for a whole hour and 20 minutes. I don't know what's wrong with you, but you're, you're awesome if you did. And we'll, uh, we'll catch you next week.